Good morning. So we are in our second week of Soul Detox. Um, this, this series is all about kind of looking at our life, looking at the world that we live in, and kind of removing the unhealthy stuff and bringing in the good stuff, right? And um, if, you weren't, if you were here last week, we talked about the restless soul, and we looked at anxiety and, and how we get restless and we can't find sleep, we can't find rest because of all the stuff that's going on around us and how the, the way that we find a remedy, the way that we find peace is by getting to this place of desperation and calling out to God. And, and this week we're talking about the heavy soul. And it, it can, can be very similar to the restless soul, but, but in this case it's, it's like the weight of the world on your shoulders. Have you ever been there? Um, do we have any sports fans in here? So I'm a, I'm a big sports guy. Um, coming into my favorite sports season, which is football. Uh, growing up, I, I played football all my life. I played football in high school. And, and here's the thing about high school football. There's never really an off season, right? Like when the season's actually over, you get maybe a couple breaks for uh, Christmas, and then it's right back in the weight room at least three days a week. You're, you're working out. You're, you're lifting weights. But there's rules that said, you know, the coaches couldn't, uh, be with the, the players over a certain amount of time in the summer. So what the coaches would do is they would hold workouts that were not mandatory, but if you didn't come to those workouts, you couldn't play. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And so there's, there's ways around these rules. So, so before they entered into the summer, we'd have one day where they would bring in all of the incoming freshmen, everybody that wanted to try out for the team, everybody that wanted to be a part of the team, and they'd bring them in, and they would give us our like workout schedule for the summer so that we would have it. And, and what it was is this day was kind of a day of like just a bunch of guys trying to show each other up in the weight room, right? It was a day where we all found out what our maxes were, how much we could bench, how much we could squat, and we, we would work out. And then they would take us to these competitions, and we'd go to these weightlifting competitions. And one time we got, and I'll never forget, we go, it was Salem High School, and we're at this weightlifting competition. And, and you know, I was strong, but I wasn't the strongest. And we get there, and there's this guy, and he's probably a foot shorter than me, all muscle, right? And like, he's working out with the football team, but he's really just there to work out. You can tell like he's all about the weights. And so he gets up for his, his, the squat competition, right? And he gets up and he kind of get, gets under the bar and there's so much weight on this bar. It's, I can't believe it. Like I would not even attempt, I wouldn't even spot him. There's so much weight on it. I, I'm shocked. I've never seen, I've seen it on TV. I've never seen this much in, in real life. And he gets under the bar and he kind of stands up with it and there's so much weight that as he backs up, that, that metal bar is actually bending over his shoulders. Like, there is so much weight, right? And so the, in order to make it equal for everybody, there's a judge that looks and makes sure that when you're squatting that your legs get parallel, right? So it doesn't matter if you have long legs, short legs, everybody has to get parallel. And so he's going down, he's watching that judge in front of him, he gets down parallel, and the judge gives him the thumbs up. And so he, he's going and he's getting back up. He starts shaking really bad, right? His, his whole body is shaking under all this weight, and we're all looking. We can't take our eyes off. Like, is he going to get it? He gets, like, almost almost all the way up. He's shaking. He's shaking. His eyes are getting really big. He's an African-American guy I've never seen turn this red. Like, he is super red, and then all of a sudden, he just collapses, right? And there's these little bars on the side of these, these squat racks to catch the weight when you collapse so it won't crush you, right? So he falls down, and typically when this happens, you can roll out from under it and you're fine, or you can even roll out behind it and you're fine. But the weight fell so quickly that it lands on him and it traps him 
between the ground and these, these bars. And so it's not like killing him, but he's in agony, right? And you're looking at him. He's kind of making this grunt noise. His eyes are shut, and he's in all kinds of pain. He's got spotters, so he's not there. I mean, maybe 30 seconds, but it's the longest 30 seconds ever, right? And so he's under all of that weight, and the spotters can't get it off of him. So they have to start taking the weight off. And they get the weight, they get maybe one or two of the, the, the weights off, and he's able to roll out from under it, right? <laughs> he's had this time, maybe 30 seconds of extreme agony, all of this weight on him. And it's this picture of the physical body being under all of this weight. But, you know, we're talking about the soul in this series. And some of us, it's not our bodies under the physical weight, but our souls are screaming out in agony from the weight of the world that is on us. We look at everything going on around us, and it's like we can't even breathe. We've got all of this weight on our shoulders, and it's got us pinned down. And we've got people around us that are trying to help, and it's like they can't help us. We've got people we are looking for this escape. We're looking for this freedom from all of this weight, and we can't find it, right? Like, like this guy that was, that was squatting that weight. But for us, it's, it's in our soul, and it goes so deep, and it's like there's no remedy, And today I want us to look at, we're actually going to be in Lamentations. We're going to be in the Old Testament. This is when it pays to have your phone because you don't have to know where the books are, right? You just pull up the app and you you click Lamentations. All right, we're going to be in the Old Testament. But here's what I want you to know, that you're not alone in that struggle. You're not alone in feeling like you have the weight of the world on you. Uh, Actually, before I started this series, it's probably been a few months ago, I read an article that said we currently live in a time with the highest percentage of what they called low-grade depression. Now, I don't really know what low-grade depression is, but it's not clinical depression. Like, clinical depression, that's a whole other issue that's important. We should talk about it. I believe that there is help for clinical depression in Jesus and in prayer and in medication, right? So that, but that's a whole other topic. This is, this is low-grade. You're not clinically depressed, but it's like nothing's wrong, but nothing's really right. Right? And it just seems like you wake up, and, and especially if you're a part of Revive, you've heard us talk about this abundant life, and you're like, where is it? Where is it? I, I, don't, I don't know what it's like to live with purpose. I don't know what it's like to have that freedom. I just feel all of this weight, and you're not alone. If, if you go to Lamentations, if, if you look at uh, chapter 3, I'm just going to read 19 through 20 for now. And it says this. Now, this is the, the, we don't know the author, but they think it's Jeremiah. So this is the, the, the weeping prophet, right? Where he would, people, he would talk and people wouldn't listen to him. He's like, this is what the Lord says, and people would ignore him. So, so this book is, it's him lamenting. It's him crying out to God because everything seems to be going wrong. And he's been, he's been backstabbed. He's been uh, turned against. And listen to what he says in verse 19. He says, I remember the affliction of my wandering and the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I look back. I look back and I see everything bad that's happened to me. And my soul is downcast. My soul is heavy. Look, I believe that that when we look at the heavy soul, there's three main causes of that. And the first one is past pain. Like, Like the author of this book, he's looking back at his past and he's seeing how he was hurt. 
And some of us, we're going through life and we're looking at and we, we feel this heavy soul and we think, we look at, at maybe a parent that abandoned us or a parent that let us down or we look at a broken relationship or we, we look at the divorce or we, we look at that, that opportunity that we had and we took advantage of it and now we regret it. Or we look at the opportunity that we have and we didn't take it and now we regret it. And whenever we look at where we are in life and we look at our past and we look at maybe something that somebody did to us or maybe it was something that we did and we're filled with this pain And our soul is heavy because even though we've got the world ahead of us, even though we've got opportunity, even though everything seems to be going right, we look at our past and all we can see is everything wrong that has happened to us. And the the author here is saying, I remember it. I remember the pain. I remember the bitterness. And he's looking at his life through the lens of the evil that happened to him. You're not alone. We've all been there. We've all experienced heartache. We've all experienced the weight of our past. We all have a past. And and, and it's this this past pain that causes this heavy soul. It haunts us. One of the other things that causes it is, is present predicaments. The things we're going through right now. And this one really hits home, right? Like, Something that happens to us and we weren't expecting it. It wasn't a part of our five-year plan. If we didn't see it coming, it blindsides us. Maybe it's a spouse drops a bomb on your relationship that you weren't ready for. Or, or the, a car accident happens that you weren't prepared for. The, the paycheck's not coming in. Or the bills are piling up. And you're in this situation right now and you just can't figure out how to get out of it. You weren't prepared for the illness. You weren't prepared for the cancer. You weren't prepared for the father to get Alzheimer's. You weren't prepared for whatever it was. And it's like it just blindsides you out of nowhere. And it hits you, but it hits you with the weight of the world where, where even though all this stuff is going on, around you it's like your soul is affected so deeply you can't find peace you can't find happiness you can't find joy and you look at your past and maybe your past is fine but right now you're just in the thick of it and it's like you can't even breathe because you've got the weight of your family the weight of the of everything going on in your home the weight of your job the rate the weight of the economy everything is on you and your present situation has got you in such turmoil that you can't even catch your breath because it's so heavy. So you've got past pain or present predicament, and maybe it's something about the future. I think that a lot of times we, we get in a place where we, we're always waiting for something bad to happen, and it's our future fall that keeps us so heavy. We feel the responsibility of taking care of our loved ones. We feel the responsibility of making sure we provide or make sure we're doing everything right, and we, th- we want to control all that's going on around us, and we think that, that man, what if this happens? What if the car accident happens? What if something bad happens and it's that weight of the future failure, it's that weight of the future mistake of the future troubles that keeps us bogged down? And we all end up in this place. And listen, you're not alone. If you go back to to Job chapter four, verses five, he says, but now, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but now trouble comes. You are discouraged and it strikes you and you are dismayed. You can go and you can look at Jesus. He says, in in the garden, Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus is in the garden. He's looking ahead at the cross. He's saying there's this weight, this pain of carrying the sin of the world. And he actually cries out to God and, and he asks that he would take the cup from him. And he says, not my will, but yours. 
And in that moment, you actually see a picture where Jesus is sweating blood. There's so much anguish about the future. But he calls out to God, and he finds peace in God's will. You may feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders, but you're not alone. You're not alone. We see it in Scripture. We see it in society. But it's not final. It's not final. Your past, your present, and your future is not the end. There is always hope. That a couple uh, months ago, maybe about a maybe about a year, I got this little rash on the back of my leg, right? And I've had poison ivy a couple of times in my life, but I'm not really allergic to it. You know, I maybe get it and I'll, I'll put some kind of cream or something on it, and in a couple of days it's gone. My brother, he can walk in the same room as somebody with, that has it, and he needs a shot that day. Like, he's super allergic to it. Never really bothered me. But I get this little rash on the back of my leg. I'm pretty sure it's poison ivy, so I treat it, and then it doesn't really go away. It kind of spreads a little bit, so I was like, okay, this treatment isn't working. I get another treatment, and I kind of try to treat it with that, and, and that doesn't work. And before I know, this little rash that was on my calf is now from, like, my upper leg down to my shin. Like, I'm, my leg is just covered in poison ivy, and it's unbearable. It itches so bad. I'm literally losing sleep. Like wake up in the middle of the night, scratching the back of my leg. And Lauren's saying, you need to go to the doctor. And I'm saying, no, I got this, right? She's like, you need to go to the doctor. I'm like, no, I got this. And this literally goes on for like a month and a half, two months. I refuse to go to the doctor. I refuse to go to the doctor. And it is, it's past the point of itching now. It's like painful. It burns. If you touch the skin, it's literally hard. Okay, this is not for the faint of heart. I had to wear pants everywhere because it was disgusting. And I could barely even bend my leg at this point. My skin was so tight. It was unbearable to the point where I finally broke down. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the doctor. <laughs> I go to the doctor. I walk in. I'm like, yeah, I think I have poison ivy. And the doctor's like, yeah, you have poison ivy, right? And so he gives me this shot right in the butt. And it is like, if you've ever had this shot, it is deceivingly painful. Like you get the shot and you're like, oh, that wasn't bad. And then five minutes later, you're walking out of the doctor's office and you feel like you got stabbed in the butt with a machete, right? Like out of nowhere, it just hurts so bad. You drive home kind of leaning on one side, just not wanting to touch anything. Like this shot is so deceptively painful, right? But I get the shot and by the time I'm home, the itching and the burning does, is not there anymore. Right, he gives me this, this cream, this medical cream to put on it. I put it on there. And literally within days, days, it's clearing up and gone. Right? And I spent months in agony with this rash. But it did not have to be that way. All I had to do was break down and go to the doctor and get a shot. And it cleared it up like that. For some of us in here, we're living with the weight of the world on our shoulders. And it hasn't been for a couple of months It hasn't been for a couple of years. It's been for decades. It's been for your lifetime, and you've lived with this weight. But what I want you to hear today, church, is that it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. When we find a time to break down and we look at the hope that we have in Jesus, it can change. It can change. You don't have to carry that weight on your own. We talked about it last week. Jesus says to cast our anxiety on him, to give him our burdens. Let him carry it for you. If we look at the passage, we look at the passage, 
Actually, I'm going to go to Psalm 42. I think I have that on the PowerPoint. Psalm 42, verse 5. One verse. And I want you to see what happens inside of this one verse. This is King David. And he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? There it is again, the heavy soul. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? You see the weight of the world that he feels. But then he starts talking to himself. Anybody ever been there? (laughs) He starts talking to himself. And he says, put your hope in God. See, the cure for the heavy soul is hope. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. Inside of one verse, inside of one verse, we see this shift in gears. We see this change in direction where, where, where King David is saying, my soul is so heavy. Listen, put your hope in God. He starts preaching to himself. Anybody ever been, like, you remember when you were a little kid and your dad starts preaching at you for misbehaving, right? Anybody ever been there? And when he starts preaching at you, it's like you hate it and it's ridiculous and you don't even want to listen to it. But as you grow up, you realize that he was right and you should have listened to him preach at you and, and, and he knew what he was talking about. And a lot of times we think when we preach at something, we, it's this bad thing. But what I want to tell you today is I think that as, as people as a heavy, with a heavy soul, we should preach to ourselves, And we get in that moment where we start having a pity party. Look, I've been there. You start going through all these things that's happened. You look at your past, your present, and your future, and you say, you know what? I got this going on. I got the bills that got to be paid. I got the job that's got to be done. I got the, the, whatever it is. You got this long list of to-dos, right? And all this stuff and all this weight that is on you. And you start going through and you just, nothing is going right. And in that moment, I think we need to take a step back. We need to take a step back and say, put your hope and God, we need to preach to ourselves and say, listen, and look, it'll feel ridiculous because there's nothing worse than when you're having a pity party and somebody says, you know what, you need to suck it up, right? But sometimes that's what we need to hear. And we need to hear it from ourselves because we're in the back of our mind talking about all the things that's making life heavy. And we need to start preaching to ourselves and saying, you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. If you go back to Lamentations, where our, our scripture today, I stopped earlier and it at, at verse 20 when it says, I remember, I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. But if you keep going, if you keep reading, like David, the author changes gears. He says, my soul is downcast within me, yet I call this to mind. You see that? Yet I preach to myself, yet I bring it to my mind. And therefore I have hope. There it is again. Therefore, I have hope because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. There's that past and that present. And great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on him. We have to preach to ourselves. And I got three things that I want us to preach to us, right? Three things that cause the heavy soul present pain, or past pain, present predicament, and future fall? Well, there's three things that we can preach to ourselves in each situation. The first one, preach to yourself God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. He will not let you down. When you get in that moment and you start looking at your past and you start looking at everything that's gone wrong, instead of focusing on all the negatives, let's focus on what God has done. Let's focus on the fact Let me just talk about me. I get in that moment and I just decide to take a step back and say, you know what? 
I was such a sinner. I was judgmental. I was prideful. I, was, I had insecurities. I didn't trust in God. I had all of these things that were, were ruining my life. And then, and then I, I, I learned about this Jesus guy that went to the cross and he forgave me for those sins. He, this creator of the universe that created me in his image and I took that creation, I took my life and I took it into my own hands and I hurt him. I sinned against him, and yet he was so faithful that he goes to the cross and forgives me for for those sins. There's no greater love than God's faithfulness to forgive us. I think about when I was like five years old and I was learning what it meant to tithe and give back to God. I got my first allowance of $5, and and so 10%, $5, I put my 50 cents into the offering plate that day, and, and you know what day that was? It was Easter. Fun thing about my family is we have an Easter egg hunt every Easter for money, right? And inside of that Easter, inside of one of those Easter eggs, everybody gets three, and inside of one of them is a $20 bill. Most of the time, you leave the place with $1. But on the Sunday, when I was learning what it meant to tithe, I had $5, and I gave 50 cents, and so I only had $4.50. I've never once in my life gotten a $20 bill, except for on that Easter Sunday. And I look back and I say, you know what? God is faithful. And I know now that whenever finances are tight, and I know whenever it seems like we're not going to be able to pay the bills, that I know that God gets his portion first because he can do more with 90 than I can do with 100. And I know that because of his past faithfulness that I will be taken care of. And when I look back at my past, instead of looking back at at the pain and the hurt and the mistakes, I look at God's faithfulness. I think about a time when I was in in college and I was crying out to God that I just wanted a, a woman that loved Jesus and knew how to have a good time. I looked at my past relationships and I dated girls that knew how to have fun, but they didn't know Jesus. And it always blew up. And I dated girls that knew Jesus, but they were so boring, right? And I know that, that God is fun and he's enjoyable. And I wanted to find a girl that would, could be my spouse that loved Jesus and knew how to have fun. I remember crying out to him. Then freshman year, first semester, I meet this short little brown-eyed girl. And I fall in love with her. And God gave me the spouse that I needed. I look at my past and I look at the pain and I look at, I look at a season in life where, where God told me to, to resign from a youth ministry position and I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what steps were next. And he gave me the purpose to move and plan a church. Over and over again, when I look at my past and instead of focusing on the pain, instead of being caught up in the weight of the negativity and the caught up in the weight of the world, I look at God's faithfulness and say, you know what? I may not feel it right now. It may not be hitting in all the emotions and I may not know what's going on, but I know that God has been faithful. And I know that over and over and over again, he is my portion. He has provided, he has taken care of me. And I can let go of the weight of my past because I can trust in God's faithfulness. And instead of focusing on the negative, I preach God's faithfulness. And you know, when it it comes to the present I think about and I preach to myself God's heart. And this really goes back to last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go online and listen to the message. But, but when you think about God's heart, it's the heart of a father. And if you think about it, if you're a dad in this room and your, your child wants something, what do they do? Daddy, can I have this? And if it's, if it's something they should have, you'll give it to them. If it's not, you won't, right? But, but they trust their father to make the right decision, 
and it doesn't matter if it's a box of cereal or if it's a meal or whatever it is. Daddy, can I have this? Yes, no, that, but it, it doesn't matter. They're never afraid to ask, Daddy, I want, Daddy, I need, and they cry out to a father, right? And over and over again in Scripture, we see this picture of a heavenly father and his children. And so when we know that we have a God who is our father, we can cry out to him. When we have the the paycheck stops coming in, the cancer shows up, whatever present troubles we're going through, we can cry out to a heavenly father and say, will you fight for me? Will you be there for me? God, I need this. One of my favorite stories in all of scripture is if you go to Exodus chapter 14, go and read it, right? And what's happened is God is delivering his people from the Egyptians and they're wandering in the desert. Pharaoh has finally said, okay, he, he let Moses, he let his people go, right? And so they're wandering through the desert and then they look back and here comes Pharaoh. He's changed his mind and he's on chariots and they've got swords and they're coming quickly and there's no way that the Israelites can get away. And they start speaking to Moses, who is, their, who is their, their go-to for when they're trying to cry out to God. They go through Moses, right? And they're saying, why did you bring us here? Were there, were there not enough graves in Egypt so you brought us into the desert to die? Like they didn't have a filter. They didn't worry about using holy language. They just cried out. They said, what in the world did you do this for? Will you not save us? Why are we here And Moses, who is, is the voice of God for them, he calls out to them. He says, listen to it. I'm just going to read it. This is chapter 14, verse 13. It says, Moses answered the people and he said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't worry about the bills. Don't worry about the the trouble that you're in. Don't worry about what's going on, but stand firm and you will see deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. 14 says that the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. Some of you have the weight of the world on your shoulders because of everything that's going on in your life right now. Not the past, not the future, but right now. And he's saying, the Lord will fight for you. And you don't have to make sure you're living right. You don't have to make sure that God is happy with you. You don't have to make sure any of that stuff. Listen to what it says. You need only be still. You need only be still. He's saying, cry out to me. I have the heart of a father, and I'm going to fight for my people. I'm going to deliver you. Cry out. I love you, and I will fight for you. And the third thing that we preach to ourselves is God's power. God's power When we look at the future, we can know that God has the power to save us. God has the power to deliver us. And God has the power to know what is best for us. I think when I think about God's power, I think Lauren talked about it earlier. It's kind of interesting. My my personal time has taken me into the book of Judges this week. And and if you go to the book of Judges and you look around chapter 3, God's people, his children, do evil in his eyes. And so he allows their enemy to, to take over. And, and God's children are now oppressed and they're, being, they're put into slavery and, and life is, they got the weight of the world on them. Life is not going well. Life is terrible. And so what do they do? They cry out to God. They cry out to God like we talked about a second ago. And God delivers them. 
He says, you don't know what's going on in the future. All you know is that you're worried about your children. You're worried about future generations being stuck in this captivity and God delivers them. And you know what they do? You know what they do? When they get delivered, they begin to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. Again. And so God lets the enemy overtake them and they're oppressed, and they're worried about what's going to happen, and they got the weight of their future on their shoulders again, and you know what they do? They cry out to God, and God doesn't look at them, and he says, oh, no, 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 fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. He doesn't look at them and say, oh, you've done this before, I'm not getting fooled. He looks at them, and he says, oh, you're crying out to me with a child's heart. You need something to happen. You need my power to move in your life. Here's a deliverer, and he sets them free again, and you know what they do? They do evil in the eyes of the Lord, and then they cry out to God. Every single time, over and over again, he gives them and he delivers them. He doesn't hold their past against them. That is the power of a God that loves you. That is the power of God that says, you know what? I don't care where you've been in your past. I don't care what you've done. I've defeated sin. I defeated death. Jesus on the cross, he's hanging up right before he breathes his last word. You know what he says? He says, it is finished. I have victory. I have defeated sin. I have defeated death. You have life because I have the power to overcome. And that same power that's on the cross is for you right now. It's for your future. You are covered with his power. We need only to trust in it. When we're worried about what could happen, when we're worried about all the negative things that could happen, what happens if we take a step back and we preach to ourselves, trust in the power of God. When you look at your life, can you look back and can you see God's faithfulness? Can you see God's heart? And can you see God's power? Because he has the heart of a father and he wants to fight for you. And you know what he asks? He asks that you need only be still, that you would surrender your life to him and that you would let him have control. Because if you're at a place and you feel the weight of the world because you think it's all your responsibility to solve all of your problems, then you haven't given it all to God. And a lot of times, like like the Israelites in the book of Judges, he lets them get to the place where their enemy has taken them over and they're desperate so that they will cry out to him. When you look at your life today, is the world heavy because God's got you in a place and he's saying, please just cry out to me. I want to deliver you. I want to set you free. I want to I wanna be faithful for you. Will you cry out to him? Whatever your problem is, will you give it to him? When you look at your past, will you give him your past? When you look at your present, will you give him your present? And when you look at your future, will you give him your future? It's a yes or no question. Will you surrender to him?